This time on episode 449 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We discuss the 1992 X-Men animated series, season 4, episodes 5, 6, and 7, as presented on Disney+. And weekly Marvel news, including the Ant-Man and the Wasps trailer, the Vision series starring Paul Bettany at Works at Marvel, X-Men writer shares the one condition required to work for him, and a shocker about James Gunn. I'm Josh Liston from On The Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom, part of the Gunner Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnerGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. Now it's time for a scout debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show which discusses the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes as told on screen by a spinoff company called Marvel Studios. The show is recorded on Saturday, October 29th, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Saturday Cartoon Network wide and come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch on to it, we love talking about Marvel, especially watching X-Men comics on Halloween weekend. If you want to talk about what you like to watch on Halloween weekend, you can find us on our website, legendsofshield.com. If you want to catch us on a voicemail as you're watching X-Men on Halloween weekend, you can call our voicemail line at 844-THE-BUS-1, 844-843-2871. You can find us at Twitter at Legends of Shield. You can find our wonderful content on YouTube at youtube.com slash gonna geek. And we are on Discord at gonna geek.com slash Discord. And Legends of Shield is a proud member of the gonna geek.com network. Hey, Michelle, it's just you and me today. Hey, sometimes it has to be a dynamic duo. And I think it was just fortuitous that we're back to watching X-Men the Animated Series, which premiered on Halloween night in 1992. That is correct. That is serendipitous. I think that's the word. And this is Halloween weekend. I know it's October 29th, but it's close enough. Exactly. All right. I'm excited to watch this. I was watching the episodes last night and I was like, yeah, this is great. This is Saturday morning cartoon time frame. So much so that I had to rewatch the episodes again this morning, which is Saturday. Cool. All right. Let's get talking about them. Previously on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because of ocean physics. Hey, we've got our drinks ready. We've got our snacks ready off camera. And we have our mute button ready so you don't hear us chewing because we're not monsters. Missiles. All the missiles. Missiles and space. And that's when Cortez started to take over. Like, this is not what this is. We need to be mutants and we're best and we're going to kill all humans. Oh, Juggernaut, I want to punch you in the face. And Juggernaut says, "Uh, whatever, I'm just leaving. You guys are fine. I'll get you later. We'll just do a suicide squad thing and put something in your head. And Omega Red is just like, oh, yeah, this thing. I mean, come on. Also, I wish somebody would just show the man a map. Russia, at this point, is basically in shambles. He doesn't really have anything to fight for, just because everybody is still trying to figure out exactly what and who they are. I might be older than you guys, but... Nice one, Chris. Nice cut there. I might be older than you guys. And yes, I am the oldest one, I believe, on the Get a Geek Network. But that was Chris's previously on take from our last time that we talked X-Men, the animated series. Chris couldn't be here due to a work commitment today, but he did send that in. And Michelle, how'd you like it? 
I liked hearing it because now I know what we talked about the last time we talked about <laughs> X-Men. This is a time when the previously on was needed. <laughs> For us, at least. Yeah, it's been a few. That was episode 437. This is 449, which means it's been three months since we last watched X-Men. And I am honestly just ecstatic to watch these three episodes today. So let's talk about which ones we watched. X-Men, the animated series, season four, episodes five through seven, premiered on the Fox Kids Network on April 27th, 1996, September 23rd, 1995, and then February 17th, 1996. Episode five was titled Xavier Remembers. Episode six was titled Courage. And episode seven was titled Secrets Not Long Buried. Now, Michelle was looking through a list of X-Men episodes. You know, I Googled X-Men, the animated series episode list, and I got on there and I was like, wow, these were all over the place. I know we've really hit this one to ground over the course of many, many discussions, but they fit here. These episodes fit here. I'm glad Disney Plus reordered them here, but it's obvious they were spread all over a couple of years and aired completely out of order from where they are today. It was as though, hey, we have this episode done. Do you want to air it or do you want to wait another two months for the one that's supposed to be here in the story? And Fox was like, if it's done, we're putting it on air because we need a Saturday morning cartoon. And if you're watching these at the very end, sometimes there is a trailer for the next episode that's going to be shown. And it was definitely not the episode that was going to be shown. So we know. It's out of order, but it makes sense stories wise. We're glad Disney Plus actually reordered them. All right. The IMDB descriptions, Michelle. Xavier remembers when Professor X suffers a slight concussion, his powerful psychic mind is suddenly open to manipulation. Courage. Morph and Wolverine investigate and discover that the Sentinels are back. Secrets not long buried. When Cyclops flies solo to a tiny western desert community to see an old friend, he discovers his friend is missing. All right, Michelle, what were your first thoughts of these three? I liked learning about, especially um, Storm's past. We learned a lot of other things through flashback, but seeing how Storm uh, met Professor X, I'm really glad they finally got around to it. I thought it was a fun three episodes with Lots of flashbacks and lots of cameos, and we'll discuss all that later. But yeah, I enjoyed it. This, like I said at the top of the show, this was Saturday morning cartoons for me. This was moving into the groove. We're at season four right now. I do want to talk about that a little bit. So we're at season four. There was a lot of new story, but there was a lot of flashbacks used. And I can only imagine that they were using some of the footage from before just because, and very little, but they were using some of the footage from before just to save some money on the production. But they did it in a way to make good stories. So at least it was that. It wasn't just like, here's a clip show. Right. That's what I was thinking. It was not a clip show. It was integrated story, which was fine. I think that's how flashbacks should really be used. We did start off with Xavier Remembers, and we had Xavier getting a bump on the head. Now, we didn't see the bump of the head, so I'm kind of one. I know it's kind of dangerous living in the mansion just because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens there. But he's an old man. He deserves to be looked after. And then once he was determined to have a concussion, then Gene was shaking him. You don't shake somebody with a concussion. Gene is just a telepath, not a doctor. But I'm surprised Beast didn't be like, hey, Gene, don't do that. He'd probably tell her in some poetry way. Uh, You're a doctor, Hank. Do something. I can't. It was a good plot device, and I realized that they didn't have any time to show it, but I still don't know why Xavier hit his head. Was that in a previous episode that we already covered that I just don't remember? I don't think so. Maybe he was um, getting something from the fridge. Have you ever gotten something from the fridge and then you hit your head? Because you didn't clear the fridge. Maybe it was something like that. Maybe had maybe had the munchies and went for a midnight snack. Wasn't fully awake. Maybe. Maybe. You know, this is interesting because it was four seasons in and we finally get the origins of the X-Men. Hey, and we got the classic suits. We did. We got lots of classic suits. <laughs> and we 
had the uh, how ridiculous they actually looked with 90s animation, too. And that's why the movie didn't go with them. No, not at all. We also had some time in the astral plane and we saw Shadow King. And honestly, every time I think Shadow King, I think Legion because we did cover Legion, which was an FX show. And it did have a lot of Shadow King in it. And that is my exposure to Shadow King. So I keep on going to this X-Men, the animated series and seeing the Shadow King. And I'm like, whoa, this is okay. I'm trying to reconcile the two of them in my mind. And it's just not working all that well. Yeah, I see this episode. It's like, this is the true prequel. This is what actually happened. I think it's comic book accurate. I think the story is straight out of the comics that they did. So. You're right. This is how the X-Men were formed. This is how the Shadow King battle originally happened with Dr. Xavier. And we got the origins of Storm. Yeah, Storm, Aurora being the street thief. That is from the comics. It's not a piece of award-winning cinema, but I did enjoy the episode. I didn't have a lot of nitpicks with it. And that's just me not being an X-Men fanatic, right? I don't know that much about X-Men. I'm just sitting down and watching these for the first time. For those that might be checking out Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the first time, I have never seen the X-Men the Animated Series. This is the first time that I'm watching it. I'm only watching them in the order of which we're podcasting on it. So I haven't seen all the way to the end. But I did enjoy this. I didn't enjoy the, you know, the Gene, use your mind, that sort of stuff. And maybe that was something back in the 90s, but I don't think that would play very well today. Yeah, the fact that they beat the Shadow King with the power of astral friendship. This is the two strongest telepaths. But hey, they beat him. I thought it was interesting. The beginning of the episode, we see like all the X-Men and their fears. And this sort of reminded me of how Batman knows how to take care of all the members of the Justice League. Xavier knows them so well. He knows their fears and was able to like make them see them that was kind of scary it was with the roof coming down on storm with the sentinels going after jubilee with wolverine with uh Sabretooth, right yeah that was all like their worst fears so to speak so yeah it it was very much a, a well done sequence and by the way the fights were all cool all three episodes had decent fights i think decent fight scenes in them a lot of action got to keep the kids interested on saturday morning and oh by the way when he's over 50 you have to keep sp interested in your show too so not just showing useless fights but showing fights that actually matter along the way these are maybe i'm just disremembering the previous episodes but these were some of the better put together episodes in terms of story and the cinematography and the fights and stuff like that. So kudos to the team for these three episodes. Maybe what is a good point of these three episodes is the fact that we get Morph back for an episode. Yeah, we start with him on the island with Moira. And he's like, I'm good. I can get back in the game. And I like how the episode doesn't just gloss over like, oh, yes, you're all better. Go out and conquer everything. Actually deals with his PSTD. You know, he has the trauma from the Sentinels. And when he sees the Sentinels again, he does freeze, which that can happen. I thought it was interesting Wolverine's reaction versus Scott. Wolverine was actually more caring and understanding. While Scott was just like, we have to do this and go on and go forth. and. Not so much mean, but just very stern and, I don't know, kind of cold and like, okay, you froze. Well, on to the next thing. Yeah, he basically told him to shut up, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of, I was thinking from a leadership perspective, maybe they toned that down to two words because they couldn't go into a long leadership diatribe by Scott, right? And they were like in the writer's room, like, okay, we got to just tell everybody to shut up and move along. And this is what Scott's going. But I thought that was very abrupt myself in the, uh, I don't know, planning room, what is the operations room? I forget what it's called, but they were in there and they were like, oh, what do we do? Where do we find them? And there was blame starting to go around or whatever. And Scott's just like, no, just shut up. Let's go on here. We've got 
a second episode, I guess, with the Sentinels, right? So they're back and they're going after Xavier to get his mind to integrate with Master Bold. And they're also going back after Trask. And I can't remember the other guy, Gilf, Gilf, And it was interesting watching that whole storyline unfold because I have, we haven't seen too much of the Sentinels in quite some time, but yeah, they're still around because Master Mold has a head that should be in a jar like Futurama. I thought that was interesting. Just this head with a bunch of plugs in it and it's like plugged into the wall. And I want the mind of the most powerful mutant so I can kill all the other mutants. The whole, let me use what I hate to kill what I hate. But if he become, but if he has a mutant mind, then the question is, does he become a mutant? And then do the other Sentinels see him as a mutant? Because he did command them all that all mutants must die. That would be an interesting twist. Hey, you're a mutant now, therefore you must die. I guess it had to be pointed out to them, but it would work, right? The old let's outwit the AI in plot. That would be fun. Also in the episode, I did like the fact that, in, again, these aired out of order, but they referenced the fact that Gambit and Rogue weren't there. So, oh, you, you're forgetting they're not going to be back until next week. So that's a pretty good flippant answer to, hey, why is the whole team not here? I did enjoy that. Again, these are out of order, so we didn't see Gambit and Rogue in the next episode, but I did enjoy the fact that they were saying, okay, that's why they're not here, is they're not due back for another week. I have no idea where they were in the storyline at this point in time, but I like that. And Morph, with all of his ability to change, you had all the cameos, including a John Wayne cameo in there. You had all the space mutant cameos in there. He was really going all out, and I can just imagine that Larry Houston was having fun with this episode, throwing those cameos in. I agree. And not only did he use his shape-changing for jokes, which is what we're used to, but we actually got to see him show why he's an X-Men and how he can use his ability to fight, because he was able to start changing into different beings you know with different abilities with claws and actually changed it to omega red for a little bit to use the whip part you know he doesn't actually get the all the powers like he didn't get omega's strength and invulnerability but he got part of them and being able to realize what parts you can use from the shapes that you know i thought that was intriguing so xavier is going up against the sentinel in the front yard and he pulls out his little gun from his armrest on his chair and he never actually gets to use it. It gets swatted down and Morph picks it up and he didn't get to use it either, but they're Sentinels. That gun's not going to do anything against them. You need bigger artillery against Sentinels than that. I just thought it was, okay, let's take out this BB gun and let's go after a tank. Yeah, that's going to work. That's why Hank came out with the actual bigger gun. Which did work, right? But yeah, I was like, Xavier, you've got this chair that could probably be weaponized to the point where you could integrate those guns that Hank had into the chair. Probably might be a good idea to do that in the future. Yeah, have all these little missile launcher things just go boom, 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 boom. Like, come on, it's a comic. Go ahead, do it. It's in the era of like G.I. Joe and that sort of thing. Of course, you could do that. And Morph is left behind, which was sad you mentioned that. And nothing we've learned over the course of three plus seasons that nothing ever bad happens to X-Men that are left behind when there's a mission. No, nothing ever happens where they don't go out on their own. Or no, they just stay there and they mind the f- store, right? Yeah, they, they just sit there and crochet. No, of course Morph wants to prove himself, and he does so by o- overloading the sentinel head. And almost blowing the room up, but hey, he got the information he needed. Yeah. And then he stole a jet, and then he went off, and then he stole the jet again when he left. And Xavier's like, yeah, let him go. He'll come back if he wants. Yeah, no big deal. This jet only cost probably $1.5 to $15 million, something in there. Oh, he could just take it. Yeah, I got another one in the back. Which is good, because Scott destroys one in the next episode. 
<laughs> I know. It's they're like they're like space shuttles. They're like the shuttles from Star Trek. You never know just how many shuttles because they'd never show the complete shuttle bay. So it's just like, oh, they have another shuttle. Okay. Even though three of them have been destroyed, they got another one. Okay, I'll I'll believe it. So Scott Ghost flies into the desert looking for an old friend and a mentor, a almost father figure for him, right? The Prescott, Taylor Prescott. And he's flying along, and then all of a sudden, he gets shot down, and he loses his power. And of course, when he gets shot down, he just doesn't crash. He completely destroys the jet and has to eject. So yes, jet is gone. At least he knew to pull the eject button. Yeah, I was kind of surprised it worked, but you know, comics and plot, so there you go. When they're in this town, where what was the town name? Something... Springs or something. It was, you know, West old Western town name. I just can't remember off the top of my head. So they're in there and you have all these scared mutants, but then you have like these bully mutants and you're like, Hey, what's going on? You know, there's obviously something that's going on here. And Scott doesn't have any help coming, which I have to scratch my head on because you would think if you'd be losing these jets that you'd put some sort of tracking device on and some sort of like crash detection. I mean, the iPhone 14 Pro has crash detection on it. Why not on a jet? Exactly. There should be someone in the control room monitoring something and or some sort of alert that the house does going jet number 413 has crashed. <laughs> Please send assistance. Thirteen. Yeah, that is not happening. So Scott's all alone. And he has to figure out this mystery without his powers. Right. And instead of walking off. He stays in town to try to confront the danger. Oh, it's the desert, so maybe a good thing that he stays around because he's got shelter and water around. But okay, maybe, you know, hitchhike to the next town over and then, you know, go get your buddies and then come back. That's not Scott. Scott's the I can do everything type of guy. I can fix everything. I do like the fact that his sunglasses get batted from his eyes in the crash, and he just happens to have an extra one in the pocket of his jacket. Exactly. It's kind of like certain individuals, like they just have candy everywhere. I don't know if you've ever met like an, an older lady where she just had like, <laughs> I have. And it's just like, where do you keep getting those candy? It's just like, how many pockets do you have? My grandmother was like that. She uh, had it like a so I, so I lived in Minnesota, so it's colder weather and stuff. And then when she got older, she's just cold all the time or whatever. But she always had the sweater with pockets. And she'd always have candy in all the pockets and then in her pants and her shirt pocket. And like, how much candy can you fit on your person? I, I kept thinking, you obviously wash your clothes all the time. I hope candy doesn't end up in the washing machine. Uh, nothing like candy flavored. With laundry detergent. Oh, yeah. Well, Braddock's there and he is in charge and he really wants all the precious stuff from the mines. And that's why he's bullying everybody to get all the good stuff from the mines. And he is just using everything, including constantly asking Chet. And Chet is always saying, yeah. So, hey, Chet, isn't that right? Yeah. Hey, Chet, what do you think about this? Yeah. Hey, Chet, are the Bengals going to win the Super Bowl? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like the only thing that Chet knew how to say is, yeah. Chet had one job, and that was to always say, yeah. And Chet did his one job well. In the context of this episode, yep. Yeah. Right up into the time that they got beat. So Braddock, at the end, he's trying to deliver some fake news to bring it into modern day politics and media, right? He's saying, Hey, this thing was transmitting back to his base and he was bringing his his uh, friends over to take over your town. You know, on the surface. Yeah, that's fake news because it's just a crystal statue, whatever. And they were going to put it in the middle of town, even though it was like, I don't know, two and a half inches tall. And they were going to put it in the space of a statue that was like 15 feet tall. OK, maybe they have a shrinking ray or, you know, maybe Ant-Man's going to come around and make it bigger or whatever. And the thing that I was thinking in the back of my mind is this was a gift from Xavier. There very well might be a transmitter in there. No, it was a gift from 
Prescott. It was a gift to Prescott. Right. But from Xavier. Xavier. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Xavier might have put some tech in there or had Hank put some tech in there. Well, then the house should have been like the tracker placed in the statue that you gave it. Scott has been activated. Would you like to send help? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Right. That that was the thing that was going in my mind is he was he was saying and he's a bad guy and he's trying to steal everything from the mines and whatever. So I get why they're painting him in the bad mindset, but it's like, what exactly is this stat? It's just a crystal statue, right? Or or maybe maybe there's something else to it. <laughs> I don't know. It's comics, Marvel comics. You never know. At the end, Scott's able to go off with Prescott because you know they beat the bad guys and everything, and and you know he asks his. Hey, Scott, you still like ice cream? Yeah, I thought that was, you know, in the flashback, you know, Prescott and helping young Scott and everything. That was that was nice. It was nice. But remember back in the 90s when there was all the stranger danger, like, hey, buddy, you like some ice cream? You know, I, I kept thinking that in the back of my mind, like when this aired, it's uh, kind of creepy. Yeah, but. With the flashback, you knew it was okay. It's not like he drove up in a white van and was like, would you like to see my puppy? Yeah. All right. I thought it was, yeah, okay, yeah. Because Braddock, they had him go, the time has come. And then he would pause. And I like RuPaul's Drag Race. And I'm just like, the time has come for you to lip sync for your life. It was just so much of a pause after that, that that my brain immediately went there. So now Braddock is like RuPaul. (laughs) Uh, Like I said, I had fun watching these episodes. Sounds like you did too. I did too. They were nice. All right. We will continue our rewatch of X-Men, the animated series on our way to X-Men 97. But before we get there next week, we are hopefully going to have a treat for you. We don't normally do this, especially with Marvel movies, but we're going to podcast about a movie that is incredibly bad, and we're going to cover Morbius, and we're going to cover Morbius with somebody that's been trained to look at plot and see how momentously bad the story and the plot is. I interviewed her over on the Better Podcasting Chats with SP. She does a quite successful tabletop role-playing game podcast she's the keeper for it which is the gm or dm in the system that she uses it'll be Susanna, and she's going to come in and we're going to talk about morbius and we're all looking forward to watching morbius with our ability just to go in and make fun of it and we haven't done so yet because we knew that's what we would do so we actually have a reason to go ahead and do it michelle you looking forward to morbius When you know something is bad going in, then you know what to expect and you know just how to make fun of it. And that's what we're going to be doing next week. So if you haven't seen Morbius yet, go out, watch it, come back, be prepared. Give us your feedback. What did you think was wrong with it? What did you think was right with it? What did you like about it? What did you think was bad about it? We would like to know. Go ahead and get us all of that information. We'll talk about it on the next show. In the meantime, Michelle, we have. What was surprisingly a lot of big news this week in Marvel Studios. So, you ready to talk about it? Yes. Well, when James Gunn says he's done with something, he's done with it. He said he's done with Guardians of the Galaxy, which is his Marvel connection. And well, this has freed him up to join DC. So yes, the Hollywood Reporter revealed that writer-director Gunn and producer Safran will become co-chairs and co-CEOs of DC Studios. The new studio will replace DC Films at Warner Brothers Discovery, which is being shuttered following Walter Hamada's exit. 
Warner Brothers has spent months looking for an architect to oversee its comic book properties on the big and small screens in the hopes of replicating the success of Marvel Studios' present Feige. Gunn will oversee the creative side of DC Studios, with Saffron focusing on the business and production end. On top of the new duties, both creatives will continue working in their respected fields. Gunn and Saffron will reportedly direct will report directly to Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav and work closely with Warner Brothers Picture co-chairs and CEOs Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi. I'm not surprised for a lot of reasons that Gunn is jumping ship and going to DC. First of all, he already did the Suicide Squad movie, and apparently, I haven't watched it, but apparently it was a big success for everybody. So he's got a flair for that side of the house to begin with. Also, there was the whole fluffle over some past tweets that he did like what was it 12 years ago or something like that and then dc or uh disney fired him and then they eventually brought him back but it was touch and go there for a while so there's probably not a lot of great feelings there between disney and gun to begin with and then guardians galaxy is allegedly ending i mean we're seeing a lot of the ending of whatever was in the first three phases marvel comics marvel studios are moving on to something else and Gunn is probably looking for the next big thing that he wants to do. And I could see that. And that's why we're talking about this story. You know, this is a Marvel podcast, Marvel Studios podcast. But a big part of that over the course of the last years since Guardians of the Galaxy was James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy. And this is what he's going to do. And he's basically becoming the competition here. I'm fine with that. If he can step in along with Saffron and make changes to make the DC universe actually watchable for me, I'll go back to it. I haven't seen a lot of DC films since, I don't know, since the pandemic for sure. I didn't see Batman. I had no plans to see it. I had no plans to see a lot of stuff there. And they, DC had tried, Warner Brothers had tried. I think with Jeff Johns to make some changes a few years ago, but that didn't work. And I think it didn't work because Warner brothers, the top brass of Warner brothers at the time was overbearing to the point of you're going to follow this formula because we think it's going to work. And it obviously didn't work. I don't know what they're going to salvage from the justice league stuff and and what they're going to move forward with on their own it would be tough to bring some of that back. I think if anybody can do it, James Gunn might be in a position to do it. So we'll, we'll see. I wonder if this is how they got Henry Cavill back because he is going to be Superman again. Probably also in this whole thing, Warner brothers is now gone. It was bought out by discovery. Discovery kept the Warner brothers name because it's more discoverable than discovery is. So the official name of the company is Warner Brothers Discovery, but make no bones about it. Discovery bought out Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers ceased to exist and all those people are gone. So I could see needing a complete change to bring some of those actors back. You needed to bring Henry Cavill back. Well, you didn't need to, but bringing him back as Superman is, is, a, is a good thing. I haven't seen the movie yet. I know he had a cameo in the, um, in the Black Adam I don't know if it was post-credit scene or whatever, but I know he was in there as Superman. There's a lot of talk about it. So, okay. Let's see what this turns out to be. I'm willing to watch it for the sidelines from a little bit until I get back in the mode of going back in there. For those listeners that might not know, Michelle and I for years did a podcast on the CW show Arrow. So we did podcast about the DC universe for many, many years. I did eight years of the podcast, Starling Tribune. Michelle came on. I forget what season you came on, whether it was four or five, but you did for years too. And we are very familiar with the DC universe. And I, for one, got very disenfranchised with the DC universe, DCEU and the CW universe for a lot of different reasons. And it would take something like this to bring me back. And it's not like this didn't happen to Marvel either. This basically happened to Marvel in 2008 when they did the only thing that they could do at the time, as it turns out, was an Iron Man film because that's all they had rights to. Yeah. 
they're like, well, we have Iron Man, we have Captain America, we have a couple other things. What do you want to start with? And someone said Iron Man, and it worked. It worked. So we'll see what James Gunn starts to work on here. We've seen the slate of movies, including the Batgirl movie that was canceled. I don't know. Maybe Gunn will bring that back in some way, shape, or form. Hopefully he does, right? Because there was a lot of good stuff in there, whether it's flashbacks or, or something. Maybe they do something with the footage. I hope so. I was thinking about that. The big loss there is a female-led movie. And then also Michael Keaton came back as Batman for that film, right? Or allegedly. So that's two things that we lost right off the bat with that. I know. Shocking. All right. Well, and another shock, actually not really shock, but anyway, I was trying to transition. Marvel Studios placed an Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer out there. Michelle, have you watched the trailer? Yes. And according to the trailer, it looks like we actually are going to have to watch it because I don't know how spoilery we want to get if you watched it. Hold on. Let me pause. I'm going to say something. Okay, here we go. Kang's in it. and. We've talked about the timeline, about how the ending is going to be, you know, something, you know, Kang this at the end. So it's like they're actually making Ant-Man and the Wasp needed in a way, because no, technically before you could skip the Ant-Man movies and not not miss really big parts of the plot. But this seems to be knows part of the quantum stuff. Maybe it's the dark dimension. Who knows what it actually is? And he's in there talking to, to Scott. I debate about the plot a little bit because the quantum realm was necessary to do Endgame, at least in the story that they told, the plot that they told, right? So you had had to have at least known about the quantum realm and what could be done with it and what couldn't be done with it. Okay. But aside from that, Ant-Man himself is not exactly the juggernaut. He's kind of stupid on the battlefield, hasn't had a lot of impact in the actual action sequences. There's, of course, the whole plot hole of Ant-Man could have taken care of Thanos right off the bat, and that was never done, right? <laughs> so he didn't need Endgame, and could have ended in Infinity War, and it would have been fine, but they chose not to go that route. And that was just one of the possibilities of being able to take care of Thanos. With that said, I watched the trailer. It's pretty. You have a lot of CGI in there. I was going to say science fiction, but you have a lot of CGI in there. I don't know if we're just seeing the scenes, the pretty scenes that they've already done with CGI, and they just wanted to flash it in front of us and say, hey, look, we're going to do all this cool CGI stuff. Or if it's really going to be CGI laden, I'm guessing it's actually the former rather than the latter. But still, it's intriguing to me. I'm enjoying it. I saw we saw the premise of the plot of why they get into the issue that they get into in the trailer. So, okay, I'm along for the ride for this one. I mean, we podcast about Marvel. Was I not going to watch it? I like how it's you built something and then you turned it on. <laughs> no, no, that's no, no. what turn happens. Turn up, turn up, turn off. Oh. <laughs> uh, Classic Ant-Man stuff, but it's actually his daughter. So classic Ant-Man. Indeed. And the granddaughter, really? Uh, No. Well, no, because the original Ant-Man, they're not biologically related, right? So. Right. Okay. Well, Michelle, we got another announcement, I guess. Well, if you didn't think the list of Marvel projects was long, well. It's getting longer. Following an initial report by industry insider Jeff Snyder, Deadline has confirmed that a new WandaVision spinoff focusing on Vision is indeed being developed, with a writer's room expected to open next week. According to Deadline, Marvel Studios' Vision Quest will be about the Vision trying to regain his memory and humanity. Additionally, there is a possibility that Elizabeth Olsen's Olsen's Wanda Maximoff slash Scarlet Witch will make an appearance in the series as well, following her apparent but unlikely death in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. First of all, we know that there's going to have to be something done with Vision following what happened at the end of the WandaVision series, right? And then second of all, we all knew that Scarlet Witch wasn't dead, 
we knew that nobody ever dies in Marvel comics. They come back years later, but I could see this happening. And honestly, it was very much needed in my opinion. I was wondering if they were going to do a series or bring him back in the movies somehow, but they have Paul Bettany. I can see this being one of their six episode ones. Yeah. I think they're going to have to come up with a story first and then pitch it. And then they'll, see how many episodes it's going to be they didn't like buy a series there's no pilot they didn't buy a series right now disney didn't they just said okay we're going to do this we don't know what exactly it's going to look like and we've seen from what is it armor wars no not armor wars yeah armor wars that they switched that from a series to a movie so that's always possible as well as we get an additional movie however there's a lot of big films in the mcu future so they're going to have to Pawn stuff off is a bad word, but I'll use it into Disney Plus just to keep the content going because you can only have, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, you can only have so many MCU movies every year. The box office can only take so many. I would argue it's two or three. Disney would love to do four, five, or six. It's just not going to happen, especially with all of the other properties that they have. Because it's not just Marvel properties that they have. They have Star Wars properties. They have Disney Prime properties. They have Pixar properties. They have all these major box office properties. They can't saturate the market too much, especially in a theater industry that is still recovering post-COVID. So having a story like this on Disney Plus makes sense to me. It also makes sense to me to have series on Disney Plus because they want to grow the property. They want those subscription dollars coming in every month. And the only way to do that is to keep on putting content out all the time. Like right now, I would turn it off, except for I started watching Andor. I'm like, huh. And X-Men, of course, you know, that we just watched here. But I started watching Andor. I'm like, you know, okay, I'll watch it. I think it is misplaced. This type of story should be post episode nine, in my opinion, but it's not. It's within the Skywalker saga. So, in my opinion, but okay, then they need stories like this to show as well. And (laughs) so far, the stories have been about introductions. And I think a lot of people, we talked about it before, I think a lot of people are missing the secondary introductions that are actually prime introductions for the MCU. And that's the champions slash young Avengers. That's a big deal. Yeah, because depending on how the series goes, does isn't Vision's daughter a part of that? Yep, I mentioned her before, Viz, Viv. Yeah, Viv is part of the Champions. I don't know if she's part of the Young Avengers, but she's definitely part of the Champions. And it's Feige. He, he's like, let me take this from that, and I'm going to take something from the Champions, something from this, something for that, and I'm going to call it the Young Avengers. Even if it's not what you think the Young Avengers are. And it's totally okay. We're in a different universe. You're not actually living out the comics. You're creating a new universe based on the comics, but it's a new universe. So I'm okay with it. All right, moving on to our last story of the week. X-Men 97 writer shares the one condition required to work on the revival. And I particularly put that in there this week because we're watching X-Men, the animated series again. For those that don't know, the new producer of the X-Men 97 is DeMeo, and he revealed his approach to recruiting for X-Men, the animated series, during an Instagram story-based Q&A. Quote, my line producer was the first hire, and he brought along all the amazing talent that followed. My general rule was you had to be a fan. No questions. I've been on a show, namely Witcher where some of the writers were not fans or actively disliked the books and games, even actively mocking the source material. It's a recipe for disaster and bad for morale. Fandom as a litmus test checks ego and makes all the long nights worth it. You have to respect the work before you're allowed to add to its legacy. Michelle, your thoughts? I agree. You can tell when the production isn't really involved in liking what they're doing. Sometimes that gets to be like, oh, I'm just going to phone it in. I'm going to take this as a way to undercut everything and just you know, make everything 
ridiculous or, you know, you don't start writing a lawyer show and then confess that you don't want to write courtroom scenes. And that's why you don't have a lot of lawyer stuff in your lawyer show. You need people who are enthusiastic and want to add to something and want to enjoy it and want to see it be its best. I agree with everything that you just said. Absolutely. And as a fan, I want stuff written by other fans. I want them to know the background. I want them to know the intention, the spirit of the material. And I want them to have their own ideas, which they bring into the material that combine with the material. Agreed across the board. The one thing that I will say is that it is invaluable to have somebody that is disconnected with the material. And maybe it's just one person. Maybe it's not like half the team or whatever. To have one person to come in and to red team what you are doing. Does this make sense? Is it the intent of the material? What is the story that you're trying to tell? Does this story make sense? Because if you're just blindly following the source material, that original source material might not make sense. How can we make it better? How can we make this fit in with the larger umbrella of Marvel Studios and the MCU? the broader story that they're trying to tell that I think is valuable, but you don't have your core group of people doing that. You have your core group of people that love it, that are continuing on. And then you bring in somebody that is there specifically to ask questions, to ask if it makes sense to point fingers at people and say, are you really doing your job or are you just here having fun? sort of thing. And yeah, you know, working on something that you enjoy can be fun, but also being a part of a team just because it's fun, not because you're there to contribute can be an issue as well. So I see that. I see the value in that. And we do it at work. It's diversity of thought. We love diversity of thought, but I do agree with what he's saying. I just have that one small caveat. And I know I announced it. That was a bigger caveat than it was, but it's a small caveat in the whole thing. Oh, Michelle, does that make sense to you? Yeah, because if you have a staff of just fan fiction writers who do fan service stuff and they're not, they're like, I've always wanted to see these two fight and I'm going to make them fight, even though the story doesn't make sense, but I'm going to make it work because I wanted to see these two characters fight. So there does need to be someone going. Um, That makes absolutely no sense in the contents of the story. And then be like, oh, okay. (laughs) i'll make it work some other time (laughs) i can't play with these toys i did this when i was a kid it's like well you're not a kid anymore we need to tell a story we need to make it right yeah not even kevin foggy does that anymore he's like okay what's the story here what's gonna make me money well ultimately because he's got stockholders he he's beholden to disney so ultimately with foggy it's what can you do to make me money he's got a lot of latitude because of the genius that he pulled off with the infinity saga, but we're past that. So it's almost like, what have you done for me lately? Okay. We'll trust you, but tell us your plan. (laughs) Where are you going? That sort of thing. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad that that's in there because there's been a lot of reboots and revivals that have been done by people that are not in tune with the original content at all. And I just don't, I don't want to see that with any of the Marvel content at all and any of my close fandom. Here's another example for you completely disassociated with Marvel or Disney Stargate Stargate SG one. There's a lot of fans out there for Stargate SG one and Amazon bought out MGM. So it's now Amazon's toy to play with. And one of the things that have been bantied about for the past few years before Amazon bought it was we're going to reboot the series but we're going to have movie two. We're going to have Stargate two, which all of the four series, I believe it is Stargate SG one, Stargate universe, uh, Stargate Atlantis. And I think there was another one. All of them then go out the door and fans love that. You can't do that, especially because there's such a big fandom out there for that. Right. So you need to pay homage to it. By having people that have enjoyed those properties come in and do some sort of a link back to those so that you're not completely forgetting that legacy. 
That's my opinion. All right, Michelle, what are we going to do right now? I think we're going to float into the astral plane on our way out. Thank you very much to all of our listeners and viewers, our audience. You guys are what make us go. We've had a lot of great conversations in the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. channel over on the Gunna Geek Discord channel, Discord server. And we really appreciate you guys. We really appreciate you guys interacting with us and enjoying the content of Marvel as you do like we do. So thank you for all of that. And hopefully our continuation with X-Men is in line with what you want. Or maybe you're like me and you're enjoying it for the first time as we go forward to that X-Men 97 series next year. Yeah, we always appreciate all of you who listen. We know there's a lot of content out there. And the fact that you take time to, as Chris would say, allow us into your ear holes is amazing. And we appreciate it. And if you want any more from me, you can follow me on Twitter at Shell underscore game. And for those of you that follow my podcasting exploits in their completity, I am going to restart the Better Podcasting main show this week with Stephen. We're going to record live on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. And you think you can get that at Geeks.Live. I, I actually don't know if it's 8 p.m. or not, but we're going to record this week, Wednesday after work for both of us. And that will be coming off hiatus. So that is really exciting for both of us. All right, Michelle. Until next time, I'm Director SP. And I'm Agent Michelle. Bye. See everybody next time. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunnageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of Shield, or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.